Well, we want to welcome you to Pastor's Point of View number 181. Today is Friday, September the 24th, 2021. I have now reached the ripe old age of 55. Indeed. So I'm sort of past midlife crisis stage, I guess. Unless I That's live, progress. Unless I, <laughs> unless I live to be 110. Uh, my name is Dr. Andy Woods. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church. I'm back with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, associate pastor, Dr. Jim McGowan, in a different set today. Um, you might recognize because we've got some building issues going on in different parts of the building. So we're trying to adapt improvise and yes. overcome yeah yes so what we have today is a as a as a um, prophecy update here is our five point outline that we're going to try to work our way through and the very first thing on the list brother jim prophetically and this is something you always want to pay attention to you know when it comes to the subject of bible prophecy is israel you, you betcha yeah and the attitude of the nations towards israel because in Genesis 12, verse 3, God made a foreign policy statement. And as far as I can tell, it's the only foreign policy statement in the whole Bible. It harmonizes nicely with our verse-by-verse teaching we're doing through Genesis, because we're almost at this section. Yes. And God, when he f- formed the nation of Israel through the patriarch Abram, gave them a promise. And what yes. did he say? We're reading from the New American Standard 95 update, and we're reading from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Famous saying amongst the Hebrews is, God, why don't you choose someone else for a while? <laughs> because the moment God chooses you to be a blessing to the world... Because it says here, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, mm-hmm. is the moment they invoke satanic attacks. Yeah. And so God knew that would happen, and consequently he gave them a promise that whoever curses you, I will curse. That's right. And whoever blesses you, I will bless. Um, quite frankly, I don't see a statute of limitations here. No. I don't see a sunset provision. No. Because uh, a lot of people will say this isn't binding today. I, I don't see anywhere where it's good until a certain date. This is a universal principle. It, it is. Just go track history. Yeah. And it really has nothing to do with the condition of Israel at that particular moment. That's right. They could be in obedience or disobedience. That's right. But the nations are still held accountable based on how they treat Israel. Unconditional promise. Right? And so when you talk about... Um, Tracking it historically, just look at the Bible. Uh, World powers, powers that once covered the known earth, Mm -hmm. can mark their demise the moment they came against Israel. Exactly. Uh, So examples in the Bible would be Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Yes, sir. And even modern day empires, right back to the fact that the sun never set on the British Empire. That's right. Uh, Hitler's Nazi Germany, which was supposed to last, you know, a thousand years, yeah. etc. And so, one of the things, and you'll notice this map here, we have the Islamic nations in green. 
and Israel is such a little red dot, you have to have an arrow next to it, you know, That's to right. see where Israel is. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth of the matter is, I think one of the things that has kept God's hand of blessing on the United States has been our historic friendship, right? You know, to the nation of Israel. Exactly. And that may be one of the reasons God has blessed our country. But brother Jim, I'm here to tell you that that's changing. That's yes. changing. Uh, here we have this screenshot of AOC, one of her recent tweets, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and what does she say here on the screenshot? All right, here's what she says. In this year's NDAA, I've introduced seven amendments, including blocking specific U.S. weapons transactions to Saudi government over the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, Colombia government over its violent crackdown on protesters, and Israeli government over the bombing of Palestinian civilian and media centers. Okay, more on what she says there in a second. First, we have this article from the New York Post, September 21st, 2021. One of the authors is Samuel Chamberlain. And it says there, AOC squad force House Dems to spike $1 billion for Israel's Iron Dome from spending bill. Yeah. So they don't want a billion dollars, even though they just gave the Taliban, in terms of weapons left behind, $80 billion yeah. worth of weapons. right. They don't want this billion spent on Israel's Iron Dome, which is necessary for Israel's self-defense. Right. So the point of this article is that America's attitude towards Israel is changing. Mm -hmm. And these sentiments are not coming from some kooky professor somewhere or someone with a crazy website, but from the squad Mm, who represent elected representatives in the House of Representatives. Right. So what does that article say? All right. Fun reading, folks. Stand by. Here we go. A group of far-left lawmakers, including representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, forced Hmm. House Democratic leadership Tuesday to cut $1 billion for uh, for Israel's Iron Dome from a short-term government funding bill. Michael McCall, who's the rep, uh, Republican Texas representative there, the ranking member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, said in a statement that he was appalled by the Democrats' move. Quoting him, just a few moments ago, Israel was attacked by over 4,000 rockets launched by Hamas, he said. Go, continuing, the Iron Dome saved lives and helped limit civilian casualties during this terrifying escalation. Their strong bipartisan support to supply our friend and ally Israel with the tools to defend itself against future threats. And I would urge Democrat leaders to reconsider this dangerous decision. While all of the squad members have voiced criticism of Israel in the past, Omar has a history of particularly anti-Semitic rhetoric. In 2019, she tweeted that the relationship between the United States and Israel is, quote, all about the Benjamins. The Benjamins. Yes. When pressed on who she thought was paying American politicians to support Israel, Omar replied, A-I-P-A-C, referring to 
to the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. In June of this year, Omar tweeted that we have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban, an equivalence which caused an uproar among colleagues who urged her to clarify her statement. Omar told CNN in late June in an interview then, she did not regret making the initial comment and claimed that those colleagues who criticized her haven't been partners in justice. They haven't been, you know, equally engaging in seeking justice around the world. Top Republicans have asserted the measure does not have the support to pass the upper chamber. Thank God. Well, yeah, I'm grateful for that last sentence there, that this may not see the light of day. Yes. But the fact of the matter is these kinds of things, in terms of the potential for passage, you know, are getting closer and closer yeah. in the United States of America. Yes, sir. And apparently America now, at least some people, don't want to give Israel what's necessary to defend herself. Yeah. That is a dramatic and marked change in the policy of the United States. Yes, sir. And then AOC gave that screenshot on Twitter that we read a few moments ago. But I noticed that Ambassador Gilad Erdogan responded to what AOC said mm -hmm. of Israel, from Israel. What did he say there? All right. He said the following, I would expect a congressperson to understand that Israel is defending its citizens against Hamas, a designated terrorist organization. Your amendment further legitimizes their heinous attacks against innocent civilians as well as anti-Semitic lies. So AOC did something. The ambassador from Israel responded, and exactly what AOC did, in addition to trying to strip Israel of money necessary to have the Iron Dome to defend herself, what, what AOC did is described in the Geller Report. It's an article from the Geller Report, uh, a staff writer, September 20th. 2021, the title of it is Anti-Semite Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Seeks to End U.S. Arms Aid to Israel, Legitimizing Hamas and Anti-Semitism. Right. What does that say? AOC wants Israel defenseless in the most dangerous jihad region in the world. AOC wants to block U.S. arms sales to Israel. Israel's procurement of U.S. weaponry is vital to protecting Israeli citizens from Hamas rockets. AOC also had the temerity to tweet that the Israeli government bombed Palestinian civilians. This is a lie. Hmm. In fact, no other military makes a greater effort to, de to defend the civilian population of its enemy than the IDF. It is Hamas who fired rockets indiscriminately at Israeli civilians while hiding behind Palestinian civilians. A double war crime. AOC is a vicious anti-Semite. She has had a profound role in legitimizing anti-Semitism in America. So you've got a couple of things going on here. A, the squad, AOC part of the squad. Mm -hmm along with Omar and Tlaib and the rest of them. Um, number one, they're making votes in the House of Representatives, 
preventing us from helping Israel Mm -hmm. simply to defend herself. Yes. taking away her Iron Dome funding, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. You saw the map earlier where Israel's just a little nation right. in a sea of Islamic theocracies yes. that can't wait to drive her into the sea. Right. So you can see how the Iron Dome is such a big deal. Absolutely. So stripping her of things of that nature and then using a moral equivalence argument that, gee, if Israel fires back to defend herself – She's no different than the Palestinians that are attacking her. Right. Which is propaganda. Right. Um, It's trying to draw a moral equivalence argument. Yeah. And as these kinds of policies become, start to become mainstreamed in the United States of America, I'm here to tell you, Brother Jim, that that will lead to the demise of the United States just as fast as anything I can think of. Look at history. For God not to judge the United States of America on, on this basis, based on Genesis 12, verse 3, would, would be to require God to treat America differently mm-hmm. than he treated Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, Britain, Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's scratching their head trying to figure out why is our country falling apart. It's yeah. because of issues like this. Yeah. And so of all the issues out there to pay attention to, this would be one. And, of course, we have the famous map there that we use, the Battle of Gog and Magog, this end-time invasion of Israel by these surrounding powers. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice in Ezekiel 38 and 39, which describes this battle, America isn't there to come to Israel's defense. Mm -hmm. Well, where did America go? Well, maybe she went into demise because God was acting on what he said he would do in Genesis 12, verse 3. Yep. Whoever blesses you, I will bless, yep. and whoever curses you, I will curse. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening in this prophecy update concerning the United <clears throat> States of America is the United States now, particularly under the Biden administration, is simply fitting into a pattern that Ezekiel, excuse me, Zechariah predicted 500 years before the time of Christ. Right. And what did Zechariah predict in chapter 12 and verse 3? Zechariah 12:3, it will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. So in the end times, all the nations of the earth are going to come against Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And if the United States is even around when this happens, wouldn't this include the United States of America? All means all. <laughs> all means all. And then Zechariah predicts it a second time, a couple of chapters later, in chapter 14 and verse 2. What does he say there? Zechariah 14, 2. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. So that's issue number one in our prophecy update this week, folks. It's this issue of growing anti-Semitism. And how even influential members of the United States are now leading the parade into this. It's it's a it's a 
It's a time where I'm very troubled yeah. about the future of our country when yeah. I see things like this from God's perspective. Yeah, Pastor, I'm reading through the book of Esther right now. Mm-hmm. And as I look at this, the things we're reading today, I, all I can say is this just makes me think of Haman hatred. Haman hatred. And Haman, of course, was hung on the very gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Yes, he sure was. And that's what Genesis 12, verse 3 predicts. Yeah. Uh, whoever curses you, I, I will that's, curse. That's right. In kind. Yes, sir. So with the, these new policies um, and loud voices calling for these new policies, um, mm. America is disintegrating. And as America is disintegrating, what's happening is our country is being fundamentally transformed from within. Amen. Now, you remember that's what Obama said when he ran for president the first time. It is. He said, we're just a few days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. So, um, you, first of all, that shows me that you don't love the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Because how do you fundamentally transform something that you love? Mm-hmm. It's like marrying someone and saying, I love you, but I'm going to fundamentally transform you. So obviously... A lot of people try that and it doesn't work <laughs> it doesn't out. It doesn't work out well. So they're obviously trying to turn America into something different than what she is. Exactly. And Obama had two terms at that, and I believe Biden is essentially Obama's third term. Mm-hmm. So one of the tools that they're using is, here is issue number two, uh, immigration. Yes, sir. And they are using immigration. I'm not talking about legal immigration. I'm talking right. about illegal immigration right. to fundamentally transform America. Here's an article from John Binder, September 20th, 2021, the title of it is Biden bring is Biden Joe Biden plans bringing ten times as many refugees to the U.S. next year. This is from Breitbart and remind us or help us with that yes. article. Just a quick paragraph there. Yes, just very quickly. Did you hear the title? Yeah. Ten times as many. Okay. Yeah. Here's the article. President Joe Biden is planning to bring to the United States in fiscal year 2022 about ten times as many refugees as he, ha- as he will have brought this year, the State Department confirmed on Monday. Refugee settlement costs, uh, costs American taxpayers nearly $9 billion every five years, according to research. And each refugee costs taxpayers about $133,000 over the course of their lifetime. Within five years, an estimated 16% of all refugees admitted will need housing assistance paid for by taxpayers. So the name of the game is to get people to come over here, mm-hmm. get them enrolled in all of these programs. What does it say here? $9 billion yeah. every five years. Yep. All the costs are covered here. And once they're dependent on these government programs, then they just keep voting for the party, which in this case would be the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that promises to increase the programs right. once they're in a position of dependency. Right. And you know, this insane uh, illegal immigration that's taking place, you know, our southern border mm-hmm. is wide open. Yeah. I mean, this insane illegal immigration that's taking place not only is dangerous, you know, it sets the precedent for a mm-hmm. future 9 11. Yeah. 
uh, watch the interview we did here a few months mm. back with Todd Benzman, who explained that to us. Yeah. Not only does it, not only is it dangerous, but it's going to put the Democratic Party in power for generations. Right. And that's pe- the intention. People say, "Well, you're you're overreacting." Well, let me tell you something, folks. I grew up in the state of California. California was very different when I grew up there than what it is today. Yeah. Most people don't remember this, but California was a red state. Yes, it was. Uh, some of the great governors, uh, even Ronald Reagan himself, came from California. And it wasn't until 1988 that California did not vote in the red column for a president. Yeah. Um, actually, it wasn't 1988. Let me take that back. G. Uh, Bush Sr. carried California in 1988. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But by 1992, the demographics had changed, yeah. and it became in the blue <clears throat> column, and it went for you know Clinton, uh, then Bill Clinton when he was running for president in 1992. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened? Well, how did they flip it from red to blue? They did it through immigration. Right. And if they did it in California, why couldn't they do it in Texas or any other red state? Right. In fact, I'm a, everybody thinks Texas is so red. I'm a, more of the opinion that Texas is, is becoming sort of purplish. Yeah. And take a look, folks, at the Electoral College. If you don't have Texas anymore in the red column, it becomes mathematically impossible mm. to ever see a Republican in the White House ever again. Yeah. And they are they intentionally flipped California via illegal immigration and they're doing the exact same thing in the state yeah. of Texas. This is why voter <clears throat> identification, you know, the need to identify yourself legally before you vote. That's why laws like this are becoming such a big deal. Yeah. Because they have been working on Texas for an awful long time and they're using immigration to do it. Yeah. By the way, Brother Jim, you notice that they treat the Cubans very differently than other immigrants? Mm. They're not as lax with the Cubans because the Cubans fleeing Castro's <laughs> Cuba have a tendency to vote very, very conservative. Gee. So they're all hung up by, you know, wetland policy, dry land policy, yeah. all these kinds of things. Yeah. Not so much other groups because they know they're going to be a, a steady, stable vote for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. It um, reminds me of John 12, <clears throat> verses 3 through 6. All right, John uh, chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Mm-hmm. Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. (laughs) And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put in there. So Judas makes this beautiful statement about don't pour that expensive ointment on Christ. We can sell it and give it to the poor. But then verse 5 uh, is it verse five? Uh, verse six, verse six tells us what his true motive was. Yes, yeah. 
Now he said this mm. not because he was concerned about the poor. No. So he wanted the asset liquidated and put into the money bag that he was the custodian of, right? which just gave him further yeah. embezzling opportunities. Exactly. And I like to bring up this verse because not everybody who articulates a concern for the poor cares about the poor. Imagine that. The subject of immigration, they are so good at talking compassion and mm-hmm. even quoting the Bible mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. of context about being mm-hmm. kind to the sojourner yeah. amongst you. Yeah. And you get the feeling that these people are so compassionate, but the the reality of the situation is the Democratic Party could care less about these people. What they care about is power. Yes. The same way Judas was cared about embezzlement. Yeah. And anybody who thinks a socialist or a Marxist, when they talk about the poor, cares about the poor, is a very, very naive person. Yes. And they need to go back and read John 12, verses 3 through 6. What am I, I Just as I you missing? were talking about that, I would just think, you know, they're so very compassionate until you take your cameras down to the border. Yeah. And suddenly there's no compassion. That's exactly right. Hmm. And why does the compassion run out with the Cubans? Yeah. Well, why are they treated with a different set of gloves than everybody else? They know something other people don't. That's right. So as America is turning against Israel, not only by arming the Taliban in Afghanistan, as we've covered in several shows, but removing things from the legislation that would protect Israel by way of self-defense, such as her Iron Dome, and drawing moral equivalence between what the Palestinians are doing and what Israel is doing, God is removing his hand of blessing on the United States. I think and so. America is being fundamentally transformed. And illegal immigration, I believe, is the key tool that's being used yeah. to fundamentally transform our country. Mm. This takes us to number three, as our country is drifting into... <laughs> drifting? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, reminds me of uh, Sliding? Robert, Robert Bork's book called Slouching Towards Gamora. Uh, that's a good word, yeah. yes. <clears throat> we're, we're moving into Marxism, yeah, um, where the capitalist free market system that's created more wealth and more opportunity for more people than any system on the face of the earth is being replaced with something that's a proven failure. Which is Marxism, communism, socialism, Mm -hmm. um, a centrally planned economy. And the Mm. Biden administration, based on this article from Breitbart, Penny Star, September 22nd, 2021, is the article is entitled Biden Pushes Forward with Plan to Put 30% of U.S. Land Off Limits including private property. I mean, the first thing you do when you bring in a Marxist framework is you declare war on private property. Yeah. And that's that's essentially what's happening here. So Mm -hmm. what is that article about? All right. President Joe Biden is pushing forward on an executive order calling for 30% of U.S. land be conserved 
uh, up from the 13% that are national parks and other federal building or federal holdings, including private property. And while environmentalists want even more restrictions, Republicans and Americans whose livelihood depends on land are strongly opposed to what they see as a land grab by the federal government. But Republican Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts spoke out against the plan when Biden put it in an executive order. And this is what he said, We do need to watch any sort of federal legislation because the president doesn't have the constitutional authority to do this. He will have to work through the Congress, Ricketts said in a local television report. So they're doing this through executive order. I think the number of an amount and intensity of executive orders is unprecedented. It's ridiculous. Under this particular president. Uh, yeah. And what you have to understand is an executive order, basically what it is, is it's assigning to the executive branch, which is supposed to enforce the law, the capacity to create law. Yeah. That's why executive orders are to be used with great caution and you have to have a very conservative approach to it because if they get out of control, you've got a major separation of powers problem yeah. and crisis. And here you have a situation mm. where the government is grabbing private land, according to this article here, and they're not doing it through legislation, which can be debated, mm -hmm. and you have hearings and all that to yeah. see its pros and cons, but it's being done through executive executive order and mm. compare that to what john adams mm. said let's see what who was john adams he was president number two wasn't he if memory serves mm -hmm. yeah and he would know something about the origins of the united states and what does he Very say true. here about private property all right, here's what he says. The moment the idea is admitted into society that property is not as sacred as the laws of God and that there is not a force of law and public justice to protect it, anarchy and tyranny commence. If thou shalt not covet, and thou shalt not steal, were not commandments of heaven, they must be made inviolable precepts in every society before it can be civilized or made free. See, close quote. See, I wow. love these quotes of the founders because they're the plumb line. These guys line. are amazing. They're the plumb line. They are. A pl what's a plumb line? It's, it's always straight. That's right. Because it's weighted by gravity. Yeah. So if you hold the plumb line up against any structure, you can tell if it's crooked. You sure can. And you can't really tell how far our country has fallen until you start looking at these quotes. Yeah, yeah. And he says, private property, if you don't have that, you're going to have tyranny and anarchy. And my goodness, Brother Jimmy quotes the Bible. He sure does. Quotes two of the Ten Commandments. He sure does. Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not steal as commandments of heaven, two of the Ten Commandments, which are inviolable mm. precepts. And compare that to Biden gobbling up, mm. what does it say, 30% uh, of yeah. U.S. land by executive mm. order. And we're moving very fast away from a private property concept to wow. a socialistic mentality. Mm. Um, of course, Nancy Pelosi oh, gets yes. into the act. Washington yes, yes, yes. Post um, by Adela Suleiman, September 17th, 
2021, Pelosi says capitalism has not served the U.S. Mm. economy as well as it should and needs to be improved. <laughs> improved to what? Improved to socialism, of course. Yeah. So yeah. T- tell us about this article. In America, capitalism is our system. It is our economic system, but it has not served our economy as well as it should. She told guests attending an event at the International Affairs think tank Chatham House. Quoting her now, so what we want to do is not depart from that, but to improve it and to make sure that it serves us. <laughs> Pelosi praised traditional stakeholder capitalism in the United States, which she said had historically allowed workers' wages as well as managements to rise alongside productivity. But she criticized the economic shift that had taken hold over the past few decades to favor shareholder capitalism, which she said often caused employee salaries to stagnate. And that's just not right, she added. You cannot have a system where the success of some springs from the exploitation of the workers and springs from the exploitation of the environment and the rest, and we have to correct that, she said. I do not think there's a growing awareness, even in the private sector, that we have to do better. She told the audience, or excuse me, she said, I do think that. She told the audience, Pelosi said, another glimmer of hope may be turning to a greener economy with environmental justice leading to job creation in the United States. Pelosi also championed the need for new, fresh ideas to make capitalism work better for everyone. Because we really do have to improve that. We cannot have exploitation as our, or of our workforce. Close and quote. I notice here on these notes you've got exploitation underlined. Just a few times, right? Looks like three times. Yeah, um, three times there. Mm-hmm. Can, can you tell me any difference between this and what Karl Marx said? That a, that a free market involves exploitation. I don't think there's any difference at all. Well, he's a man and she's a woman. That's the only one. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, Brother Jim, you've got economic justice, or excuse me, environmental justice underlined. I am so sick and tired of the use of the word justice. Uh, I am too. Because nobody defines it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah. when I had the opportunity to speak a few years ago in Austin in favor of a pro-life bill. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember uh, that. The pro-abortion community showed up about 11. Now, why did they all show up at 11? Because they were bussed in. Mm-hmm. Our side was there at 9 when the doors opened. Right. right. At 11 o'clock, the bus doors opened, and yep. here comes all the people with painted hair and yes. screaming and yelling. Yes. And they kept using this expression the whole day, reproductive justice. Reproductive justice. And I thought mm. to myself, what do they mean exactly by justice? Well, justice to them means the destruction of an innocent life. Yep. In, mm-hmm. the, in the womb of a mother that doesn't deserve legal protection. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nancy Pelosi is saying over and over again with environmental justice. In fact, Tlaib and Omar and AOC, they were using justice mm-hmm. concerning justice for the Palestinians mm-hmm. with the Israel issue. Well, what do they mean by justice? What they mean by it is no more Israel. Right. That's why they use the yes. expression from the river to the sea. Watch for that one. Mm-hmm. What river? The Jordan. Uh, what sea? 
the Mediterranean. Yep. Well, what's between the Jordan and the Mediterranean, the nation of Israel? Yeah. And they call that justice for the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So to them, justice means get rid of the state of Israel. Well, justice always means removal <laughs> of any obstacle that they perceive as an obstacle. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great point. And anything that's obstructing their vision for the future is an injustice. That's right. It's injustice. So here it's being used to topple the free market system. By the way, Brother Jim, the free market system saved the United States of America from its origins. This is well documented in a book by Nathaniel Philbrick entitled Mayflower, A Story of Courage, Community, and War. And there's a wonderful story here about Governor Bradford and an economic move that he made that saved America from starvation at its infancy. That's right. Here it is. What is that paragraph? This is right out of the book. The fall of 1623 marked the end of Plymouth's debilitating food shortages. For the last two planting seasons, the pilgrims had grown crops communally. The approach first used at Jamestown and other English settlements. But as the disastrous harvest of the previous fall uh, had shown, something drastic needed to be done to increase the annual yield. In April, Bradford had decided that each household should be assigned its own plot to cultivate, with the understanding that each family kept whatever it grew. The change in attitude was stunning. (laughs) Families were now willing to work much harder than they had ever worked before. In previous years, the men had tended the fields while the women tended the children at home. The women not uh, now went willingly into the field, Bradford wrote, and took their little ones with them wow. to set corn. That means plant the corn, That's right. Bradford wrote, and took their little ones with them. And then he says, the pilgrims had stumbled on the power of capitalism. Although the fortunes of the colony still teetered precariously in the years ahead, the inhabitants, watch this now, never again starved. See, communally, they were working. Everybody grows what's necessary and put it in a common pot, and we divide it all up. Right. Communism. Yeah. And it wasn't working. No. And so Bradford, a genius, the governor, switched the policy and said, whatever you produce, you keep. Yeah. And the whole work ethic of the community was altered, Mm -hmm. and America was saved from starvation. Yep. And what I believe is this, that the Holy Spirit, because these are believers. They are. That's pure, right. You know, the Puritans. Yes, they are. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit led them to the right economic system that would unleash mm-hmm. prosperity in the United States. I, I agree with the, you. The very <clears throat> economic system that Joe Biden is trying to tear down and Nancy Pelosi, based on the article we've just read, says it hasn't served us well. And the name of the game with these people is they try to find any imperfection in the system. Yeah. Well, guess what, folks? This side of the fall, there's going to be imperfections in any system. Yeah. You don't you don't look for imperfections. Any fool can do that. Right. You you ask yourself which system benefits the most number of people. And quite clearly communism doesn't. Just ask the people that have lived under it. <laughs> Talk and to the, the Cubans. And the free market produces 
more good for more people. Amen. As imperfect as it is. That's right. And and, and Nancy Pelosi, you know, has the temerity to tell us it hasn't served our country well. Yeah. I mean, that's just a rewriting of history. Well, maybe one of her, you know, ancestors was on the communal program project there for the pilgrims. Well, if you look at Nancy's uh, ice cream in her refrigerator, have you seen that? All the different kinds of ice cream, all the kinds of different chocolate bars, different flavors of ice cream. She doesn't discriminate. You know, she, 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 her needs are very well met. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. the rest of us that are going to suffer. Yeah, she even gets her hair done. That's exactly right. Well, nobody else can. Well, she needs her hair done, quite frankly. Well, but we won't you know, go there. Now well, we just did. We just did. Now, one of the things <laughs> to understand is in the end times, capitalism or the free market has to go. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. What does that say? All right. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, this is the Antichrist's economy in the end times. Right. Does this look more like communism or for the free market? A boy, it sure looks like what they're trying to push us toward already. It, it, there's no freedom. There's no freedom to pursue God-given abilities, take risks. Right. There's no ownership of private property. And so as we see one attack after another on the foundations of the United States in terms of changing, fundamentally transforming us in terms of our economy, is the stage not being set for a prophecy like this to be fulfilled? That's why we include this in a prophecy update. You know, Pastor, Revelations 13, 16 through 18 is the realized ideal of John Lennon. Amen. Right? The song Imagine. The song Imagine. Yeah. Uh, so there we have it. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, but let's move here to Roman numeral four. In these types of planned economies, as George Orwell articulated in Animal Farm, I mean, do people know who George Orwell was? Or, or, George Orwell wrote 1984. I believe he wrote Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. And they're basically books... I think in the post-World War II era, written from the perspective of what if the other team had won? Mm-hmm. What if the bad guys had won? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if the Marxists had taken over the world? What if the Nazis had taken over the world? What if the Benito Mussolini's, the fascists, had taken over the world? What would the world look like? And I have to tell you, Brother Jim, when you look back at some of the things George Orwell wrote about in these fictions, the man was incredibly prescient. Yes, he was. To describing what's happening today yeah. mm-hmm. uh, as we're on the precipice of allowing the bad guys to win. Yes, sir. And he had a saying in Animal Farm, once the bad guys win and you have a planned economy, uh, some are more equal than others. Mm-hmm. In other words, the masses are all equally poor. Yes. But the people at the top that are supposedly running the system out of compassion for everybody yes, else, the compassion, they yes. have a tendency to be phenomenally wealthy. 
I think this is borne out in the pages of Bible prophecy through Revelation 18 and verse 15. What does that say? Revelation 18, 15. The merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning. So, see the word rich? I do. Merchants becoming rich. Compare that to what we just read in Revelation 13, 16 through 18, where no one can buy or sell. Mm -hmm. So the masses are locked into grinding, centralized, government-controlled poverty. Yeah. Yeah, it makes everybody equal, equally Mm -hmm. poor. Yes. But some people, Revelation 18, verse 15, are becoming very, very wealthy. Yeah, those merchants. So... I like to juxtapose these two verses because that's what always happens in always. Marxism. Always. Um, so my point is the mandates that the global elites are putting on to you, they have no intention. They have absolutely no intention of abiding by those mandates in their personal lives. Oh, we're already seeing that in our own country here. You know, you and I, we have to stay at home and wear a mask, but mm-hmm. certain governors can go out to rich, you know, expensive uh, restaurants and, you know, drink, what, $15,000 yeah. bottles of wine? Yeah, that's 12000 Whatever it was. It was yeah. a lot of money. Um, in fact, I've got a, my maskless list, ah. and the list keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Ready? Pelosi, Kerry, Fauci, Newsom, Chris Cuomo, all part of the ruling elite, all yeah. caught at different times, whether on planes or restaurants or whatever, uh, without their mask on. And I'm sure there's others that I forgot as I was making my short list. You have to understand that these people, these global elites, they look at you as if you're a slave. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Brother Jim, and I'm going to say something I haven't said before. Okay. Prophecy update concerning masks. The mask is a symbol of subjugation, and it's a symbol of servitude. It is. I I do not believe, and I understand that people in high-risk health categories can disagree with me on this, and we can still be friends. And I know that mask is a great source of comfort to people, Mm -hmm. partly because I think they've been propagandized. Mm Mm-hmm. But I believe that the particles of the virus are so microscopic and tiny, it's like trying to stop a BB gun with a chain link fence. Mm. And I think there's plenty of medical evidence to suggest that. So if these masks are so ineffective, why do they want everybody masked? The same reason women all over the Middle East are in masks. They cannot get out, go out of the house without a mask on. That's right. Why is that? It's a symbol of dominance. Yes, it is. It's a symbol of servitude. It's a symbol of conquest. It's a symbol of subjugation. In other words, you're telling the woman you have no personality at all. Right. Because we, the state, are your personality. I agree. I agree. And um, yeah, control. That's how they look mm. at you when they when they keep telling you to put your mask on. They're looking at you as if you are. You know, essentially um, a common slave. One of the things we miss as Westerners is the reality of symbols. Mm. Like, for example, if you have a Muhammad cartoon drawing contest, mm-hmm. the Muslims go crazy over that, right? Because it's a symbol, right? 
Um, when all of that insanity happened, what was it last summer with all the burning, looting, and murder? Yeah. yeah. Did you notice everybody taking a knee? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a symbol of servitude. Yeah. They want you to take a knee because it symbolizes something. Yeah. You remember when Obama, I think it was in his first term, was meeting someone from the oh, Middle yeah. East? Yeah. Yeah. And there's actual picture of him almost at a right angle. Yeah. Bowing down. That's a symbol. Yeah. And the mask, the more you acquiesce to it, the more you put it on under the guise of you're stopping a virus from spreading, is is how th- those that want control of the planet are looking at you as if you're voluntarily surrendering. Right. And what I would say is this. Every opportunity you have to take that face diaper off, you should take it. And you're sending a symbol back that I will not be submissive. I will not be subjugated. I am an American mm-hmm. who was born with inalienable rights from above. Amen. Am I overstating uh, things? I don't think so. So... You'll notice that the the global elites keep saying, put the mask on. So we have this article from, um, I guess the name is Simone M., September 20th, 2021, from Disclose.tv, and it's entitled, Vatican Allows Access Only with a Green Pass... And this is supposed to start on October 1st. Mm-hmm. In fact, even before we read the article, notice this screenshot from Disclosed TV. It says Vatican, part of the global elites, yep. the Pope. Vatican has issued a decree that all visitors and residents must have uh, a green pass for the virus. And this is starting... October 1st. In other words, you better have the pass and you better have the mask. And if you don't have both, you don't have access to Vatican City. Right. So there's just a a brief sentence or two. What does that article say? The Vatican will now require all visitors and personnel to show a COVID-19 pass proving they have been jabbed, have recovered from the coronavirus, or have tested negative for the disease in order to enter the city-state beginning October 1st. So you better have the proper passport and you better have the proper mask and if you want access to Vatican City, you better bow down in submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, isn't it interesting, Brother Jim, that some are more equal than others because the rules change for the illegals? Yes. This is we, fascinating. We article. have this yeah. article from Charlie <clears throat> Spearing, September 20th. 2021, it says, White House, illegal aliens do not need proof of jab because they're not intending to stay, which is a statement that makes no logical sense at all. It's brought out by Breitbart. I didn't know the virus worked in terms of what your intentions are. It now knows what your heritage is. (laughs) So if you're not intending to stay in the United States... The virus doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you are intending to stay in the United States, the virus does work. This is an incredible virus, the intelligence of this thing. <laughs> it, it works in a church, it, it's but, amazing. Not at, but not at Walmart. No. 
So what does this say? Okay. And, you, and keep in mind it, what George Orwell said. Some yeah. are more equal than others. All right. Well, you, you, heard, you heard the title, folks. We're not kidding here. The White House conceded, the White House conceded Monday that they were not requiring border crossers. I like how they've changed the terminology there. <laughs> border crossers to show proof of jab. Even though the government requires proof of jab or a negative coronavirus test for other travelers into the United States. When reporters asked, I, I was surprised to even ask, but when the reporters asked about the apparent double standard on jab requirements, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki argued that illegal immigrants and migrants crossing the border were not intending to stay in the United States. And here's what she said. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time, referring to, to migrants. I don't think it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. You want to visit Vatican City? Mask, passport. Why? To stop the virus. Well, if that were true, folks, how come the people that are flooding across the border don't have the mask on, don't have vaccination, don't have the passport. So it's obvious that we're being propagandized. Of course. Because the people pouring across the border are going to help put the progressives in political power mm -hmm. for generations. Right. So they're treated with a different standard. Right. Um, you don't have to have a genius IQ I mean, to, come on, to, right? to, to see this blatant double standard. Yeah. Now, certainly people at the Emmys... I mean, they're following the rules, aren't they? Of course they are. And here's an article again from Breitbart by David Ng, uh, September 19th, 2021. Viewers rage at maskless Emmys, but kids have to wear a mask to school. So if you're a kid and you're going to public school, you better be jabbed and you better be masked, which I don't understand because if you have had the jab, why do you still need the mask? But these kids, hmm. little tiny kids are being subjected to that. You do not see the same rule being practiced amongst the Hollywood left at the Emmys. What does that article say? Oh, it's an article from Breitbart.com. Hollywood celebrities went maskless Sunday at the 73rd Annual Emmy Awards as millions of children are being forced to wear masks in school. Stars were packed close together into an enclosed space at the event deck at LA Live in downtown Los Angeles, with other celebrities congregating at an indoor venue in London. The sight of maskless celebrities socializing in close proximity indoors provoked social media outrage, with some noting that children across the country are being forced to wear masks in school despite millions being jabbed. So, one rule for the kids in public school, one rule for the participants at the yeah, Emmys. I like that picture. Um, in fact, <clears throat> notice this, the United Nations, <laughs> uh, a United Nations meeting, of course the United Nations is the central nerve center you know, of coming world government. It's the heart of the new world order. Notice this article from Simon Kent, again from Breitbart, 
September 19th, 2021, it says no jab rules for big UN meeting. <laughs> Free pass for world leaders. Tell us about Oh that. my gosh. You know, just when you think it can't get any worse, folks. All right. The UN General Assembly will ignore jab requirements for attendees at next week's big meeting in New York, snubbing New York City's rules for convention centers and public gatherings. Presidents, premiers, monarchs, dignitaries, diplomats, and their traveling staff members have been told by organizers they won't have to show coronavirus jab passports or other proof of inoculation on arrival at UN headquarters on Turtle Bay, Manhattan. Instead, attendees plus their staff will be waved through and allowed admission free of any checks with more than 100 heads of state and government and over 20 foreign ministers signed up to speak in person. An honor system, and only an honor system, means dignitaries won't have to show jab cards or other proof of inoculation, as they'll simply attest to it by swiping their ID badges at the assembly hall. The freedom from regulations follows a precedent first set at the G7 meeting in the UK earlier this year. The decision to ignore the rules as applied to the general public in New York City came after Russia, Russia, Russia <laughs> challenged an earlier proof of jab requirements on the grounds it was an infringement on personal liberties so the great russia one of the greatest uh, <laughs> human rights violators on planet earth suddenly is concerned about i mean russia where that we have the uh, gulags and yeah. gulags and yeah. uh mm -hmm. oh siberia where they send yeah. everybody all of a sudden russia when it comes to being maskless at a UN event is concerned about human rights. Yes, it's an infringement. Yeah, it's an infringement. So, this what are we trying to say, folks? It's the outworking of Marxism. <laughs> yeah. Rules for thee, but not for me. That's right. In fact, that's what your Bible predicts with humanity moving into enslavement, but some of the merchants, Revelation 18, verse 15, becoming wealthy, some are more equal than others. Along this same theme we covered last week, this <laughs> pathetic pathetic scene of AOC in this dress at a event, if I remember right, it's almost $300,000 oh, yeah. per person to participate at a full table, right. to get a full table. Right. Yeah. With this dress on saying, tax the rich. Yeah, I added that yes. little uh, thing, but it's kind of hard to read it. I want to make sure people saw yes, what it said. Yes. And you'll notice that all the people around her, except for that lady in the upper left corner that you can barely see, all of them are maskless. Mm -hmm. Something that would not be tolerated if a mere citizen wants to vi visit Vatican City, mm -hmm. something that will not be tolerated if you have your kids in public school, yep. but something that is tolerated from illegals, immig immigrants, the Emmys, and leadership at a United Nations meeting. 
So very clearly we have this whole category here, Brother Jim. Some are more equal than others. Well, Russia is so concerned. <laughs> Let's end with this, number five, the two-tier justice system. You know, as Marxism mm. gets a stranglehold on things, what you start to see in the justice system is one standard for the politically correct and one standard for the politically incorrect. There you go. Look <clears throat> no further than the certain people that were jailed yeah. Yeah. because of their protest, pro, pro-Trump protest, uh, January 6th, and they're still in jail. Did you know that? Yeah, that's, due, that's called due process. Yeah. They're, they're still in jail. Right. The right to a speedy trial has been denied. Mm -hmm. And we have, again, this article from Breitbart. Mm. It says, subject to the same torture, family of January 6th protesters claimed de deplorable D.C. jailed conditions mm -hmm. by Catherine Hamilton, <clears throat> September the 19th, 2021. Now, Breitbart is reporting on a rally that loved ones of the jailed had mm -hmm. and they're communicating to everyone else how their loved ones are being treated right. who are still in jail for simply expressing their first amendment rights right uh what's happening there mm. family members of january 6 protesters who are or have been incarcerated at the washington dc jail shared disturbing accounts of alleged mistreatment by authorities during Saturday's Justice for J6 rally. Kelly is reportedly the girlfriend of Jonathan Mellis, who was among the protesters who entered the Capitol building on January 6. She claimed Mellis, who has been in jail for months, is being held in solitary confinement. Yeah, can you imagine that? It gets worse. Today, I have found out some more indignities were forced upon him. He told me he's not allowed to shave or cut his hair. It's been seven months now with no shave or haircut, she further claimed in the letter. The anonymous woman also claimed her son, who is a veteran, has not been able to meet with his veteran representatives in months, which he is supposed to do weekly. Mm. Quoting, he's lost his job lost friends, family, and is in the process of losing his home. Mm. He's denied visits from his family. His jailers treat these men like scum. Wow. There's absolutely no presumption of innocence, she proclaimed. She, she goes on to say, so he is out of the prison. But what he told me that happened inside there was the fact that they had cells with black mold in the corners that he was not allowed to see his attorney or family members, Zink claimed. He went as many days as five without shaving or showering mm. for almost 400 days straight, 1,500 people at the D.C. jail were reportedly locked in their cells for 23 hours a day to prevent the spread of the virus. Of course, let's use the virus as an excuse. <sighs> they, were, uh, they were also allegedly denied access to basic services such as Grooming, exercise, visitation, 
medical care, and more. By June, inmates were reportedly to be released for at least five and a half hours a day, which mirrors pre-pandemic levels, the Post reported. Photos and video taken around the Capitol show media and police, many heavily armed and in riot gear, vastly outnumbered protesters who were gathered in support of defendants detained in connection with the January 6th Capitol attack. So, Brother Jim, you know, this used to be the kind of thing we'd read about in third world countries. Yes. But here we have a whole group of people, Trump supporters, allegedly did something illegal by breaking into the Capitol, not explaining to them that why the Capitol was wide open yeah, and unmanned. Yeah. And they're put in solitary mm-hmm. confinement. They're not allowed to shave or cut their hair. You can't meet with your veterans rep. No medical uh, you're, care? You're, you're, you've lost your job, your family, your home. There's no presumption of innocence. Yeah. Listen to I that. Mean, I mean, I thought it was innocent until proven guilty. You treat people differently whether they're accused versus convicted. That's right. Having gone through you know, the legal process, yep. being convicted of a crime. That's right. Not allowed to see your attorney. I thought that was a constitutional <laughs> right. Mold on the walls. Not allowed to see family members. Can't shower or shave for 400 straight days. Locked in your cell. No access to exercise, basic grooming, visitation, medical care. And there's a vast army of people, you know, as if you're going to somehow escape, prepared to shoot you on sight. They got their right gear on. You know, is this the United States or what? I mean, I, I thought, looking at our Declaration of Independence, that we all had inalienable rights coming from God based on the fact that God gives us certain rights and it didn't matter what our ideology was. It didn't matter if we were protesting for Trump or against Trump. I mean, those rights are supposed to follow us no matter where we go. And what we're seeing develop in this society is essentially a culture that has a two-tiered legal system yeah. Where you now have a situation where, where people are being denied these rights because they're politically incorrect. That's it. Where is Amnesty International? Where is the American Civil Liberties Union? Yeah. Where are all these humanitarian groups always mm-hmm. speaking out for the oppressed? How mm-hmm. come no one is raising their voice to help these people? But this is the outworking of a Marxist philosophy. Some people are treated very different than others. Right. In fact, here's this final story from Fox News by Houston Keene, September 17th, 2021. It says, DeSantis, the governor of Florida, hammers the Biden administration for limiting Florida's use I'm not sure if I know how to pronounce this. Monoclonal? Monoclonal antibodies, DeSantis said, very, very problematic. Therapy was introduced at the same time as the jab, but flew under the radar until recently. So you have a situation in Florida where some people are denied medical resources. Um 
if they happen to reside in a red state. There you go. Yeah. So That's what, is, it. what does this article say? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis hammered the Biden administration for overhauling the distribution of monoclonal antibodies in a way that will severely hamper the treatment's availability in several, ready for it, Republican-controlled states. Wow. The Department of Health and Human Services alarmed authorities in several southern red states where the antibodies were widely used after announcing Monday that the agency would be changing how the COVID-19 treatment is distributed. Previously, distribution sites could order the antibody treatments directly from the supplier. Now, the federal government will decide how many doses each state, I'm winking, Each state will receive and leave it to state governments then to ration it out among locations. Florida is one of seven states, (laughs) uh seven states, alongside Texas and Alabama, making up the majority of demand for the treatment. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Thursday the seven states made up roughly 70% of the requests. The Alabama Medical Association voiced alarm about the HHS changes after Monday's announcements, quoting, Alabama's hospitals are full and under tremendous stress. That's why physicians are very concerned about federal efforts that will end up limiting our supply and access to this effective treatment. That was Dr. Aruna Arora the association president, and he said in a statement Monday, we're calling on the federal government to help us provide more of this treatment, not less, so we can save lives and keep COVID patients out of the hospital. This is stunning to me. It's beyond stunning. Um, We're we're going to reduce the influence of these red states one way or another. We're going to do it through illegal immigration. Or we're going to do it by denying you medical treatment so you die faster and your population decreases. I mean, is there any other way to interpret this? No, not at all. No. And so very clearly you see a two-tiered system. Mm. If you're the politically correct, you're treated with one set of gloves. If you're part of the politically incorrect, like these poor souls in federal prison because of the January 6th protest— which the last time I checked, I thought you were allowed in a free society to protest your your beliefs, you know, make them public. Uh, they're treated completely differently. You know, this is a what I would call a medical blockade. Yes, it's we're going to force you to do what we want you to do, and how we're going to do it? Well, we're just going to limit the amount of vaccine. I mean, uh, you know, medicine that you get. Yeah. So, folks. Um, Wow. This is not your grandfather's United States anymore, is it? No. It's not even my father's United States of America anymore. No. We, we, are, we are being fundamentally transformed. Yeah. And it's happening so fast, it's hard to keep up with it all. But in our prophecy update, it starts with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. They're flipping states through immigration. Yeah. They're openly saying, let's dump the free market and replace it with a planned economy. But of course, as this planned economy comes in, some are treated differently than others, which is evidenced by our two-tiered legal system. Mm. Uh, may God help us to understand the time period that we're living in. And and cause us to get on our knees yeah, and, and get serious. And, and may we be like the men of Issachar 
Yes. I believe it's First Chronicles 12, verse 32, roughly, mm-hmm. who understood the signs of the times <laughs> and knew what to do. That's exactly right. So we right. don't even know what the signs of the times are. Yeah. Um, We're rolling around fat, dumb, and happy. Yes. So give us some good news, could you, as we conclude? I have some good news. <laughs> I, well, it's not I don't have good news. God has good news. Yeah. Here it is, Titus yeah. 2.13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So, you know. Hope, 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 hope. Regardless of what happens in our world, we have this hope held out to us. Praise God for that. The soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, My Babylon book is out in Kindle form. It's a little confusing. Because the people there on Amazon made a mistake. They called me Andrew C. Woods instead of Andrew M. Woods. But if you go to Andrew C. Woods, you'll still be able to find the book in Kindle form and download it to your Kindle. So, so. just to make a clarification, <laughs> Pastor, it's not the Babylon book that's uh, uh, you know hard to understand. No, no, no. They, they just messed something up, so pay attention yeah, to that. Yeah, on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yeah. It's not the book. The book's great. It's clear. But you know. uh, uh, Amazon had me listed. I don't think I was up there long, and it, it happened so quick I took a picture of it. But it, the Kindle version was the number one release in for new releases in wow. eschatology. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Now, I realize they narrow these categories so anybody can get number one for five minutes, but I had that number one spot. There you are. And I have a picture, a screenshot to prove it. 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 It's, like the old, it's like the old Imperial uh, Margin commercial when they would come on. You, you're too young to remember this. You, you'd hear a song and go, da, 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 and a crown would appear on your head. So <laughs> your right. crown has just appeared on your that's head. Right. Well, that's, number one. That's really not the crown. Andy Woods, for, number anyway, one. The, you're number one in my heart, the, brother. Okay. And uh, tune into our Zechariah study, which is starting on Wednesday nights. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we just finished the introduction to the book, so we're going to this week start verse by verse. Lots of conferences coming up. Yeah. Um, I'm involved in the Duluth Bible Church All Believers Conference, where we're covering the book of Revelation. And that's going to be October 7th through 10th. And I think you can live stream that oh, on the that'd Duluth be great. Bible Church website and or YouTube channel. Also coming up is the 18th annual Ozarks Worldview Weekend Conference. And that's going to be October 15th through 17th at Lake of the Ozarks. You can see the speakers there. Just some small fries. Uh, Mike Lindell, uh, General... Michael Flynn, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, William Federer, Kevin Freeman of the Economic War Room, Patrick McClart, McClarty, is that? Um, McClary, I'm sorry. Of course, Brandon House, who's hosting this, and then there I am right there with him. So Number um, one author on Amazon, amongst Kindle. Amongst the who's who is the who's he. Who's he? So I'm in there. So praise dun, the Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Okay. And then we also have the, um, uh, 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 let's see, this is called the Hidden Day. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The How Close Are We Conference, November 5th through 7th. Go to thehiddenday.com. That's going to be in Ohio. Thehiddenday.com for information on that conference. I believe that you can live stream this also. Here's another picture. How Close Are We? The conference, November 5th through the 7th, 2021. Billy Crone, 
Jeff Kinley, Doug Woodward, Olivier Melnick, Casper McLeod, David Hevener, Chris Taylor, the great Mike Spaulding, Neil Peterson, David Paxton, L.A. Merzulli, and I'm one of the speakers. I'm delighted to be involved with that. Also, um, our PPOV is now available in podcast form. So there's a screenshot where you can find our this format that we're doing here. It will be uploaded onto the podcast platform momentarily. Um, just type in to your search engine, uh, for example, on Apple. If you have the Apple podcast uh, icon or mm-hmm. app, I think it is. App, uh-huh. uh, grab that and then type in Andy Wood's or Dr. Woods' pastor's point of view, or Dr. Woods' PPOV. And we've got several shows um, uploaded on podcast form. So we're on Spotify, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, Listen Notes, Podcast Index, Amazon Music, Podchaser, Deezer. Did you know all these existed? I had no idea. FM, R. SS feed and of course also on um, Apple and uh, you'll notice that as we were going through this material we have these show notes that I sort of put together but Jim really beautifies them my show notes are kind of like Genesis 1 verse 2 the tohu and the bohu (laughs) and then you sort of recreate recreate things there in Genesis 1 verse 3 and make, makes them look really nice. So if you go to andywoodsministries.org, go to the top of the homepage and you'll see a way to subscribe to our newsletter. And if you subs- make a free subscription to our us- newsletter, these show notes will appear every single week in your inbox. There you go. Uh, follow us on Rumble. <clears throat> Just go to Andy Woods Ministries, have your settings set to channels, and you should be able to find us. Uh, This presentation is going to be uploaded very rapidly onto YouTube. So just type in Andy Woods into your YouTube search engine and you'll find us. Make sure to subscribe, free subscription, and hit the bell for notification. And sorry to dump a bunch of infomercials on people. (laughs) But that's all I have to say. What do you have to say? Uh, Thanks for tuning in. And if people out there don't know Christ personally, what would you say to them? Well, I'd say, why not? Why don't you know the Lord? You have every opportunity. Jesus loves you. God sent his only son into the world to pay the sin debt that you accrued and I accrued. And the wonderful thing about it is it's so very simple. It doesn't require church attendance. It doesn't require walking down an aisle. It doesn't require paying money to someone. All it requires is simple faith, which is very simply put, it's just trust and confidence in what God has said about his own son and what his own son has done for you. So Jesus died for you. If you'll place your faith and trust in Christ in this very moment, in a nanosecond, you will be made a child of God and you will have an eternal home in heaven. And uh, the nice thing about that is we'll get to have a wonderful re- reunion someday. And we'll all get to meet each other. Right now, we, all, we can't see you. You can see us. But in, in that day, we'll be able to see and know each other. So why not trust Christ today? Yeah, and then as you become a Christian and grow as a Christian, you'll start to discover Bible prophecy. Yeah. 
which is what we've been talking about, and you'll see very fast that through the right lens, which, which is what we've been trying to present as of late, things are not falling apart, but they're falling exactly yes, in place. Amen. So with that being said, we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching. God bless you. God bless.